This is the story of Welcome to America, produced by the Prince Estate and distributed by Sony Music Entertainment. Welcome. Welcome to America. Welcome to America is best described as what we've all been waiting for. Welcome to the final episode of this four-part series on Prince's 2010 album, Welcome to America, which has just been released from his vault. I'm your host, Andrea Swenson. We spent a lot of time discussing the creation of the album and its powerful messages. For this episode, we're going to turn our attention to the Welcome to America tour, because the deluxe edition of the new album includes a full concert on Blu-ray from Prince's residency at the Forum in Inglewood, California in the spring of 2020. 2011. Prince announced the Welcome to America tour at a press conference in October 2010. Bring friends, bring your children, and bring foot spray because it's going to be funky. <laughs> Welcome to America. Peace. In the spirit of gathering live in person to celebrate Prince, I wanted to kick off this episode from a very special place, Prince's Paisley Park in Chanhassen, Minnesota, where a release party for Welcome to America was held on July 30th. It also happened to be the first time I got to meet one of my co-hosts for this podcast in person. I found Mr. Morris Hayes, Prince's longtime music director, backstage, waiting to share his memories with fans, along with one of the vocalists who recorded and toured with Prince and the NPG in this era, Elisa Fiorillo. Here we are. We're at Paisley Park. Welcome to America is out today, and I'm here with Morris Hayes and Elisa Fiorillo. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey. So how are you feeling? Today's the big day. The release is out. People are about to watch the big video concert for the first time here at Paisley. How are you feeling today? I'm excited, and I'm dying to see what I wore that night. I want to make sure I looked good on screen. It's going to be a big screen. How about you, Morris? Yeah, it's, it's going to be wonderful to see it from this vantage point. You know, uh, we're very excited to be back here at Paisley, and this is a momentous occasion, so this is fantastic. So we're going to be talking this episode of the podcast all about the tour, the Welcome to America tour, the big residency at the Forum. I mean, what comes to both of your minds when you think about all of those shows back-to-back at the Forum? A lot of work, but 21 nights, I think we were there. And bringing back the forum and keeping it alive and keeping it in business was the goal. Having young young people come to shows, you know, making ticket sales low enough for everybody to be able to afford it. So that was the goal, and we just had a blast doing it. Absolutely, it was a it was an incredible time, and really a real cool thing in the city. You know, uh, a lot of people came down, a lot of celebrities came down, and it was just a fun time. You know. And so it's going to be great to see that tonight and, and, and feel all the feels that we had back then, you know. And I'm looking forward to the crowd and see how they respond to it. And I mean, even as COVID rages on, you know, it's kind of good to be with people. We're trying to be careful and, and, and everything like that. But it's really, you know, humans aren't made to be separated like that. And it's just good to be amongst friends and amongst, you know, fans and everything. And so we're real happy about that. All right, well, let's go watch this concert. Let's do it. Let's, let's do, do it. This purple thing.
you heard Alisa mention there, Prince did a 21-night stand in L.A. as part of his Welcome to America tour, and many of those shows were at the Forum. And there was a reason Prince chose that venue for this long residency. To find out more about Prince and the Forum, Morris and I caught up with Prince's former manager, Kiran Sharma. We heard on the news, on the grapevine, that their Forum was up for sale. And that kind of made Prince a bit sad, I think, from a community aspect. Like, the Forum was such a kind of staple in that community and allowed people to come together and run by the bishop. It was just a really great sort of scenario and and such a great venue in itself. And so I think he was like, is there anything we can do? So we went to go and see the bishop. We had a meeting over at the Forum and I went to go and talk to them. Prince came. We ended up speaking a few times, actually, to the lady in charge there and and the bishop himself and said, look, you know, what stage are you at? And he was like, we've kind of agreed the sale already. So I think we were a little bit late to the table with our offering, but he was kind of very much kind of, I want to put a spotlight on the Forum because I think it's important and especially for people to be able to enjoy live music at affordable prices and everything else. Those shows, honestly, we really didn't make any money. It was very break-even loss at times because you're putting on this great big show, but you're, you're charging like sometimes $10 a ticket, $20 a ticket. And the reason was it needed to be this affordable price. And he wanted as many people to be able to come and see the show and enjoy the show as possible because for him, it was like everyone should be able to experience this. I love that you're keeping it real by choosing the form. Also, tickets are $25. <laughs> So, on behalf of the Latino community, I'd like to say thank you. This is George Lopez interviewing Prince in 2011. We can eat and we can drink and we can see Prince for 25 hours. Well, I'd like, uh, like to give props to Live Nation for this event because uh, $25 is what we used to pay for concerts. Absolutely, yes. Um, then somebody called Ticketmaster came in. And so now we're showing who the real Ticketmaster is mm-hmm. and, you know, putting the right price. Well said. The Ticketmaster, yes. Now- this isn't an elitist thing. My music is for everyone, and he wanted everyone to join in the party. So we did a bunch of shows there. We did, you know, and then and we did some other shows in L.A., so it ended up being this kind of residency. L.A. Did you come to play? I ain't playing. Call somebody. This is it, y'all. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Can you clap your hands? Lead line, y'all. him talking about he said Shelby we're gonna save the forum and I was like what is he talking about this is NPG vocalist Shelby J I wasn't familiar with where the forum was 
um, that it was in Inglewood, that, you know, you got an artist like Prince who can perform anywhere. He could have been at the Staples Center doing all this stuff there. He's like, no, this, these shows need to be at the forum. He thought about stuff like that, and he didn't have to. Says something about his character, his heart, his generosity. And he saw Fleetwood Mac there when he was younger. Yeah, Remember? memories, yeah. And he was a huge Stevie Nicks fan. So yeah. I think that memory of like, how could you even think about tearing this place down? Yeah. yeah. That was that was a musical memory of mine, dude. Yeah. Great shows though. Ugh. Yeah, really, really great performances. And I remember the after shows, that little room, he made it like a club. We ended up setting up shop in LA. We we had a place, uh, we rented a, a house on St. Pierre Drive, which was in Bel Air. And, and that was a very cool house. We had offices in there. We had rehearsal spaces in there. It was a massive entertainment place. So we had like Grammy after parties, Oscar after parties, you know, like all sorts of nights where people can come and jam and hang out. And, and it was just a really great space. So it was somewhere we kind of bedded down for, you know, six months, I think we were there for in the end, six, seven months. But it was a very, very cool experience. And just one, I think that people really appreciated yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. But what was great for me, of course, is Prince had so many guest artists that would come through. Yeah. It was just like a parade of all of these people that he that he loved and that loved him. Well, um, we had the openers, everyone from like Janelle Monet and Cassandra Wilson and, um, you know, Mint Condition played, Maceo played. Before we move on, show your love for Cassandra Wilson. They tell me we got mint condition tomorrow. Y'all need to show up. I'll be here. What about you? And it was just like you didn't know who was gonna be there. You know, yeah. you see Little Green just hop up and we just play crazy. And yeah. just like stuff, it was just crazy, you know. It was just like very, very exciting. I Prince had me call a couple of my longtime heroes. He called me and said, Can you reach out to Cool in the Gang? We want to change Hollywood swinging to Inglewood swinging. I said, yeah, uh, yeah let me find them. <laughs> you know, like, you know, <laughs> here in help. And I talked to these people. I said, yeah, man, French wants to use your song. We want to play it at the Forum in, in Inglewood there, and we want to change to Inglewood. They're like, yeah, French wants to, yeah. <laughs> I remember. Remember Whitney Houston with her daughter, her daughter, and they were dancing by the stage. Her and Bobby Christina were dancing right at the stage, and then he got her up to sing. 
Yeah. And she was just like, we love that. you, Prince. And had everybody singing, we love you, Prince, and, and everything. Remember, remember, we would have different colored nights, too. It was like, okay, tonight's red yeah. night. Tonight's purple night. Yeah. Tonight's black and white yeah, night. Tonight's gold. And we would be like trying to figure out what 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 little items we could add to our costumes to make it more white. Yeah. We needed a little more white. <laughs> We'd be barring everybody's stuff backstage. Yeah, man. So many good memories like that. Like, let me have that belt. Come on, can you get, get this belt? Right. Can you zip me up? Yeah, right. Can you zip me up? Right, right. <laughs> Plug my ears in. My ears aren't in. Hurry. Because yeah. it was such a anxiety, but it was the greatest anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, we're about to go up on stage. This is NPG vocalist Liv Warfield. We got like 10 minutes. He's ready to go out on stage. Like, Entrances were always different. Just the hypeness of it was always different. It was never the same, but it was the yeah. best energy. I, I love when he, he used to get in that little yeah. box and they'd push him out. out and we'd follow the box. <laughs> the wardrobe box. The wardrobe box. He'd climb in. Dearly beloved. We've gathered again to get to this thing called life. Girls, he he asked for roller skates. Oh. <laughs> I was panicked because I'm like thinking there's nothing to hold on to on that stage. Yeah. You don't have a railing to yeah. to cling to. I'd be holding on to John Blackwell's head, like trying not to fall down. <laughs> Thank God he just had the twins do it. But I was like afraid for their lives back there yeah. on the back of that symbol. Yeah. And we would stand there and they'd ride by us like <laughs> some little wheelies, like, some little wheelies things they put on their shoes. I'm like. <laughs> Okay, oh, good. And they lit up good, too. Good for you. In row number three, <laughs> down goes Shelby. <laughs> right. oh my God. So many, so many great memories. So many. Yeah, I thank them too for just always keeping us on our toes. It just it made us better. It made us stronger. We would get set lists literally right before the show. And there would be songs that we hadn't sung in a while. And we're like, oh, dark. We got to learn dark. What the hell do we come in? And we would all be looking at each other like, no, no. Yeah. Um, so things like that. Or when he asked me to sing Take Me With You with him. And I hadn't sung it in a while. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I gotta... And he liked sharing a mic on that song in particular. And I'm like, damn, did I take a breath mint before I got up here? And our mouths are right next to each other. And I, one time I wore a ponytail and I accidentally turned my head and smacked him in the face and didn't know it. And after the show, he's like, don't ever hit me in the face with your ponytail. <laughs> 
Easy D. Easy D in the house. Easy D in his house. (laughs) But it was uh, just the whole experience. He, He pushed us to the limit. He trusted us. And just that alone speaks volumes about everybody's talent in that band. loved showcasing and cultivating talent. That was something that was especially apparent on the Welcome to America tour. In this period, Prince was constantly surrounded by emerging artists, including Janelle Monet, Esperanza Spaulding, and Andy Allo, who Prince actually met at one of those forum shows. Offstage, Prince's legacy of lifting up talented voices continued. We're going to take a peek behind the curtain of this tour and meet someone with an incredible story about working with Prince in this era. Hi, I'm Harriet Cole, and I had the distinct honor and pleasure of working with Prince first when I was the editor-in-chief and creative director of Ebony Magazine. I actually produced my last cover of Ebony before I left of Prince. And shortly after I left, Prince invited me to join his tour, Welcome to America, interview all of the opening acts that turned into the idea of creating a magazine, which was to be called Intelligentsia. Harriet's story reminds me of so many other people's experiences working with Prince. They visit Paisley Park once for what they thought would be a one-off meeting, and the next thing they know, they've been pulled into the purple orbit to do things for Prince that they never imagined would be possible. As soon as Harriet arrived at Paisley Park in the spring of 2010 to coordinate that cover story for Ebony, there were signs that this would not be a one-time collaboration. Prince comes downstairs with a do-rag on his head and his lucite-heeled light-up shoes. Of course. He and I start talking, and he likes our conversation. Within two minutes, we're talking about God and the universe. Not my expectation, but he just goes in. I'm with him toe-to-toe, and I practice meditation. We talk about meditation and, you know, the presence of God and everything. It's just amazing. At one point, Prince took me upstairs to his reading room, which is a room filled with spiritual books, and took me to different books and was talking to me about the books. He told me that he would come in here and read spiritual texts and and occasionally bring people into the room to talk about life and God and knowledge and life beyond what we think it is. I mean, and that was how our conversation started within the first five minutes of me seeing him after I walked into Paisley Park. He takes us downstairs to see the studio 
that's downstairs. We see the soundstage. Uh, we shoot on the soundstage. We do all kinds of shoots. And then the, the shoot is over. And it's time to do the interview. Ahead of her visit, Harriet had arranged for Prince's friend Tavis Smiley to conduct the interview with him for the cover story. So Tavis is sitting with him and me in the engineer's space of this studio, beautiful studio. Uh, and so I say, okay, it's time for Tavis to do the interview. And he says, no, Harriet, I want you to do the interview. So now, understand, I am serving as editor-in-chief and creative director of a national magazine. Because we have a small step. I'm doing two full-time top jobs. And he wants me to write the cover story I'm like Prince. I can't do that. I don't have time. And he says, well, I want you to do it. And basically, he did not take no for an answer. Whatever was in his mind, that was going to happen. After a brief negotiation, Harriet realized that not only was she expected to interview Prince without any preparation, but that he wasn't going to let her tape record his answers. Everything he said had to be written down in her notebook as he spoke. So I now am scribble scrabbling, trying to write down everything I can. It is infuriating, but here, here's where we are. You know, it's an honor to be there. I've got to get the interview. After the interview is done, uh, he has Shelby J and someone else was there. They were downstairs practicing. He invited me and Dudley to join him for dinner. Larry Graham and his wife were there. And so they had dinner with us too. And he had a chef and we all we sat down. We had a wonderful meal. And after we eat dinner, and it's late. We're talking about nighttime at this point. And it's like Prince is waking up. <laughs> and so we think it's time to go. The photographer's gone, the stylist, whatever is gone. Dudley and I, the photo director, we're still there. And so he says, come on into the soundstage. So we go in. Shelby J and the other singer come upstairs. And Prince puts on a concert for us. There's an audience of the two of us and Larry Graham and his wife. Okay. Then he invites me to get up on stage to sing with them. And I mean, it was a phenomenal experience that you cannot imagine. for many years. I started my career at Essence, helped to create two other magazines, then ran Ebony. I've met virtually every Black celebrity that there is. So I'm not a starstruck kind of person. We, you know, Prince is in his own league. So I'm not going to say I was starstruck, but I was kind of in awe of what was happening. Anyhow, we stay up until who knows when in the middle of the night. 
finally it's time to go. We leave, come back. I'm in New York. I write the story. And then I have all these questions. His manager, Kieran Sharma, I had met. And she was very nice to me. And I, so I reached out to her and said, look, I, there's some key things I need answers for. Can, can you ask him if I could talk to him again? Or could he write the answers if I provide the questions? He hand wrote the answers. Wow. Yes. So I got this handwritten response with his encrypted language. And we then wrote it exactly. We just printed what he said in a sidebar. Some of these written responses Prince provided to Ebony are included in the album artwork for Welcome to America. In response to one of Harriet's questions about his religious beliefs, Prince wrote, The word religion has been muddied over the years. It's safer to say that through extensive study of scripture, I've gained a compass in life that I can rely on. The world is fraught with misinformation. George Orwell's vision of the future is here. We all need to remain steadfast in faith in the trying times ahead. I get a call from Kieran, and she says, Harriet, Prince wants to know what you're doing. We couldn't find you. Like, what? <laughs> Why does Prince want to know what I'm doing? <laughs> so so I, I told her what I was doing, and she says, well, we have an invitation for you. So, okay. She says, Prince is about to tour in America for the first time in many years. And he's going to have all these amazing opening acts. And we'd like for you to come on tour with us and interview them. And I was like, seriously? And she said, yes. I became part of the tour. Picked all of the opening acts on the Welcome to America tour and was personally invested in promoting these artists' careers alongside his own. He worked closely with Harriet to figure out how they could shine a spotlight on his favorite artists. I interviewed just about all of the opening acts. I interviewed Layla Hathaway, Esperanza Spaulding, Maceo Parker, who was from James Brown's band, Cassandra Wilson, Janelle Monet, Men Condition. Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, Sheila E., Anthony Hamilton, Shaka Khan, and Misty Copeland. So the very first person I interviewed was Esperanza Spaulding. And she was not famous like she is now. She had not gotten a Grammy yet. One thing about Prince is that he saw, he was a visionary, and he could see who she was but hadn't become yet. And I, I really think that was an incredible gift of his. He could see laser sharp into the future and then wondered, like, why don't you see this? Why don't you understand this? Before each interview, I would go into his dressing room, wherever we were, and he would come in and we would talk about the artist. And he would tell me his thoughts about the artist and he would tell me what he hoped I would get out of the conversation. So this is a fascinating 
way of working. I mean, it makes sense, but again, it's with Prince. <laughs> Along the way, as we were doing these interviews, we started talking about what are we going to do with this material? My background was magazines. And so we got to the point of, well, why don't we make a magazine? And Prince had so many ideas, uh, just endless giant ideas. But we'd say we're going to make this magazine. I think he came up with the name Intelligentsia. Again, trying to tap into that philosophical, spiritual, high spiritual life and creative at the same time. Then he said, so you go make the magazine, Harry. You just make it. He just believed it could happen. And it is true. We did make things happen, but we got into ferocious debates about financing things. So anyway, we didn't make the magazine, but what we did was to interview all these incredible people. There's a theme that's emerged through so many of the interviews that I've done of Prince explicitly wanting to support and amplify and promote Black women. And I'm hearing that in so many of the stories that you're telling about who he was surrounding himself with in this period, who he had opening for him, even, you know, requesting that you are the one to write the cover story for Ebony. Can you talk a little bit about what you observed in that regard? Yes. Prince had tremendous regard for women and particularly Black women. And in an elegant kind of way. I have no idea who he was dating because you just didn't know that, but you knew that he had female friends that he had. He held in very high esteem. He liked for women to dress up. He loved elegance and glamour and intelligence. So he surrounded himself with very smart, beautiful women. And beauty, not in one particular way. You know, from Shelby J., fierce black woman with a bald head to Misty Cole. But now Misty could jump up on a baby grand piano on point. Everyone was incredibly dynamic. There's a, a DJ, Rashida, very close friend of his, who just when she walked in the room, you saw her elegance. He became very close to Esperanza. Beautiful, strong, intelligent, elegant black woman. And he really did uplift their greatness. Brown skin, you know I love your brown skin. I can't tell where yours begins. I can't tell where mine ends. No, brown skin up against my brown, my brown, my brown. I need it every now and then. Yes, I do. Y'all feel me? Where are your people from? Maybe Mississippi or Carolina. One of our big arguments was about possibility. And he said, you just don't see how great you are, Harriet. I don't understand why you don't see it. I see it. You have to see it. We were having a disagreement on how to work together. But ultimately, the bigger gift was he just really believed I could do anything. And that is what he believed about everyone he surrounded himself with, which is amazing. That's not how most people are. 
Throughout the forum concert that is included in the Welcome to America Deluxe Edition, Prince eagerly shares his spotlight with his trio of vocalists, Shelby, Liv, and Elisa, occasionally leaving the stage altogether to give them time to shine. Their rendition of Bob Dylan's Make You Feel My Love, with NPG bandmate Cassandra O'Neill playing a grand piano and bassist Ida Nielsen joining in on the harmonies, is just stunning. When the rain is blowing in your face And the whole world is on your case I could offer you a warm embrace To make you feel my love When the evening shadows and the stars didn't have to do that and that's the beauty I always say he was so generous with his life like I never went to him and said Prince I want to sing four songs on your show call my name I want to sing this I want to sing that I never asked for that he just he did it I said you know these people ain't come here to see me they came, <laughs> they came to see you no 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 he knew what he wanted and so at the end of the day he's running the ship but I loved it when he would take his break because he needed a break too. And he'd be like, my girls got it. But it just shows how giving he was to let us shine like that. I think he cared about his culture and he wanted to dive so much into giving back into his culture. It wasn't even funny. Like being a black man for him was everything. I really appreciate that about him, like doing it at the forum. Everything for him was about the historical significance having black artists hit that main 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 arena stage you talk about the ultimate form of like giving back was amazing even giving up-and-coming artists like king we are king and a chance to like be on those platforms and those stages like i loved it because i just got to see how he operated this is how you keep real music by real musicians going he wanted the best for african-americans he did. He just wanted to see our people thrive in every way. Thank you so much for listening to our four-part series on this captivating time in Prince's career. The story of Welcome to America is produced by the Prince Estate and distributed by Sony Music Entertainment. This story was written and co-produced by me, Andrea Swenson. Rosie DuPont was our producer, and Corey Schreffel was our technical director. Thanks also to Trevor Guy, Zach Hockapole, Michael Howe, and Dwayne Tudal. Order your copy of Welcome to America at Prince.com. And subscribe to the official Prince podcast wherever you get your podcasts.